Hello, and you're tuned in to another segment of A Journey with Women Who Boss Up. This is where I have conversations with women who rise above and become bosses. These women have a sense of confidence and awareness about where they stand in this world. They handle their business and authentically love what they do. Now, my guest today is Courtney. Courtney Kubli. How are you today, Courtney? Hey, Marcy. I am doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. You know, it is a pleasure because everyone I talk to be like, you know, Courtney is awesome. Courtney is this. Courtney is that. I'm like, I need to have Courtney on my show. <laughs> well, you're making me blush. Thank you so much. I love the area. I'm passionate about what I do, as you mentioned before, and what qualifies a woman to be here with you on your podcast. But I really, truly do love the community, the people that I work with and interact. And I'm a connector by nature. So all of what I do just comes natural to me. And awesome. And we're going to discuss your journey today. So Courtney is an active part, as you heard her say, she's an active part of the greater South Bend community for the past seven years. She was born in Brookfield, Illinois, and is the eldest daughter of a businessman and an in-home daycare provider. Now, I'm going to start my first question by asking you, what was life like growing up for you? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad that you asked me that question because I truly credit the path that I've taken in life and who I am today. So much of that was based on my childhood. I grew up a very quintessential family of four, the Chicago suburbs. But what I did have when I was younger is I had exposure to culture and so much of what we had available to us in Chicago, which was just maybe a 10-minute train ride for us. So my little world that I had until I was in fifth grade was filled with other school kids who didn't look like me, who came from different backgrounds and families. And that really is how I thought that everybody grew up. And I was so blessed to have experiences, both like theater experiences, music, food, and culture, as I've referenced. And that was really the formation of me as a young person. And I'm so grateful for that. So during that time, were you there during that time of the uh, Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Bears? Were you there to experience I was there those? in the heyday. Yes, I was there. I was. I grew up as a Chicago Bears fan. So all my family is born and raised in the Chicago area, Illinois, the state of Illinois. And so huge Bear fans. I was there during the heyday. Uh, the Super Bowl shuffle I still have on a record somewhere. What? I played it on my little record player. And I was really big into trading baseball cards with all the neighborhood. So we had a lot of boys in our neighborhood growing up so a lot of my friends were boys and they didn't want to play Barbies with me so I started <laughs> trading baseball cards and the Cubs were doing well then the Sox all those Chicago teams were really on point and uh, of course Michael Jordan will always be the GOAT. Uh, okay very good now as she mentioned she spent her elementary years in Chicago doing all the great things that she just mentioned but then there were some moves that took place she was in Grand Rapids then she went on to Madison Wisconsin so what was it like as a child in your elementary years moving so often? It was really tough. It was really tough. I look back on it now, but I'm really thankful for it because I think I was forced when your family has a move and it becomes a job situation. And in this case, it was my dad's job transfer that had shifted us from Illinois to Michigan. And it was really hard. Of course, we were very angry at our parents for uprooting us and we had to say goodbye to our friends. And this was before social media. So mm. if you wanted to stay connected to people, you had to write letters. And we did. We you know, wrote some letters and stayed in touch. But ultimately, we ended up making like new groups of core friends and then a couple years later had to move again to Wisconsin and that was the biggest I think the biggest obstacle with moving when you're in that middle school high school phase mm, yes. is that a lot of people have their friends already 
like they already have their circles exactly. established. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to breach those circles. But really what it did is it only made me stronger and it made me gave me the tools to be resilient and really force me to meet new people and to find yeah, to find my place. Okay. And we're going to talk more about that. So, Courtney I feel is one of the most inspiring, talented, and giving people I know. She gives 110% to whatever she puts her heart, mind, and passion into. And just as you just said, as far as like meeting meeting new friends and things like that, you never had a problem with that. So what I've noticed from you is that, would you say, there's never a stranger that you haven't met because you just kind of <laughs> connect to them and, and then you're friends, right? That is true. I have, um, you know, there's, I don't really have, I don't have any enemies. There's nobody that I wish ill will against, definitely. And, and so much of that is my formative years growing up and, and having those state-to-state moves. So, yeah, I consider everybody a friend, that's for sure. Yes, you do. We appreciate you for that. Now, at 16, you got your first job working in retail. Tell us about that experience. Oh, my gosh. I'm shaking my head because I walked into this job interview, and I worked at a store called Marshall's, which is part of the TJX family's uh, retail stores, TJ Maxx, Marshall's, and Home Goods. And I did not know what to expect, so I actually wore I wore pantyhose, I wore a skirt, I wore a blazer, and I had a resume. And I was all ready to go. I was, I was so pumped up about this interview, and the store manager sat down, and she looked at my resume, and she didn't really even ask me any questions she just said why do you want to work here and I mentioned that one of my high school friends worked there and she really liked it and I was looking to earn some part-time income and she hired me and I walked out of the office and I was so disappointed because I was like on top of the world I had you know my whole my whole professional wardrobe game and my resume and I was expecting a harder interview but she gave me that job at 16 years old and I worked in the men's department there so a random fun fact that I still have to this day some Thing that I can possess. This mm-hmm. is this is really random. But I started training on uh, sizing men for dress shirts. Okay. So back when men wore, when the business attire and the work world was more professional, uh, we had men coming in that needed dress shirts and they had no idea what size they were. So our job was to measure them. And so I would measure their neck and I would measure their arms. And I became so good at identifying the size of a man and what size dress shirt he would need that I wouldn't even have to measure them because I hated taking apart the dress shirt mm-hmm. and all those little pins right. and everything with it. And so if we sent them to the fitting room with a dress shirt, we would have to put it all back together if they decided not to get the shirt. So I just became very, very, very good at what I did in that men's department at Marshalls back in, what, 1997, something like that. And uh, to this day, it's a little ongoing joke that I can usually guess a men's dress shirt size within really close proximity. That's skills. <laughs> That's very good skills. Yes, indeed. Now, so you mentioned you got this job at age 16. So you were still in school. You were a high school student. How did you apply yourself, you know, balancing work and your studies at 16? Yeah, it's a great question. So my path of having a busy life actually started right in in high school at 16. So I was working part-time and I was trying to work as many hours as I could that in legally, like in the state of Wisconsin, would allow me to work. So I would get some money because I did receive a car.
car, a used car when I was 16 from a family member, but I did have to make the payments for gas and the insurance payments and whatnot. So I always wanted to have some money to go out with my friends and go shopping. And and so I was probably working about 20 hours a week and then maintaining my grades in school. So it was a lot of late nights. I'd come home after my shift at work, which was about 9, 30, 10 o'clock, do my homework and get up and do it all over again the next day. But really, I prioritized working. I think I shared in my, my little short bio, but I was not a stellar student at all. I really prioritized working. And uh, that is where I, you know, I did what I could to get by. My grades were pretty good, but I really enjoyed working. Um, I found my passion really early. Yes, you did. Because <laughs> you were in retail for a long time, which we'll talk about shortly. So after high school, you're still working at Marshalls. You're not going on to college. Uh, the University of Wisconsin, and you were going for communications and public relations, which at the time, you, it was something you were interested in, but you didn't know that you were going to be pivoting and staying in retail. Yes, yep, I stayed in retail. The communications and PR, I really felt was a good base for really any type of business that I would go in, and it took me a while in college to figure out what I wanted to major in. I didn't want to be pinpointed to something really specific. I knew I knew enough about myself at the time that I declared my major my junior year that I did not want to do something that was very narrow. And so communications and public relations I thought was a really good backbone to anything that I was going to go on post-college. And little did I know that post-college was still going to be in that retail world, which I did for 20 years. Okay, so let's talk about that. So after graduation, what then happened? Yes, so after graduation, there was not a TJ Maxx, Marshalls, or Home Goods in the community that I went to in college, but the year that I graduated, 2004, from the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, I got wind of a new TJ Maxx and Home Goods store that was set to be opening in the area, and I applied for it. I really stepped out on faith, and I had quite a few years of retail under my belt already, but I would have been 22 at that point. And I just said, you know what, the worst they're going to do is say no. And uh, I ended up getting that job, which was a huge, that was a huge position for someone of my age in that time. It was a TJ Maxx and home goods store. So we would have called that a superstore. And it would have been overseeing, at that point, I think about $10 million worth of sales, 100 employees. And it was the entire process of opening the store from the ground up. So that was a huge job. And we were also planning a wedding at the same time. Oh, wow. So it was this new big girl job right out of college and then also planning a wedding. The full (laughs) white picket fence and everything coming together. All of it. It came at me so fast. And um, at the time, I don't think I realized how important of an event that was just coming out of college I just was happy to find a job but this really was a job and I had interviewed with folks that had had a lot more experience than me on paper and it was really truly the fact that I'd been working since I was 16 and had so much retail experience already so hard work pays off so would you you said you've been in retail for you know 20 years would you say that retail had a hold on you Oh, retail had a hold on me. It had a vice grip on me, as a matter of fact. At one point, I put myself on a list. So TJX Companies is an international 
organization and they've got stores over in Europe. Over in Europe, they're known as TK Maxx. And I'd put myself even on a list to move abroad and work for TK Maxx either in the UK, Ireland, or Scotland. So it really had a hold on me, and I loved it. And it gave me great, um, in that 20 years that I had in retail, I traveled the country. I met so many wonderful people. I helped open up stores, meet employees, train employees, and some of them I still keep in touch with today. That's amazing. That's awesome. Now, what brought you to this area, to the Mishawaka area? Yes, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. So after working in Wisconsin for the TJ Maxx companies for 19 years, or maybe it was eight, no, it was 19 years at that time. So I worked for Marshalls for TJ Maxx and also for Home Goods. So all three divisions, I received a phone call that they were opening up a brand new Home Goods store over in Mishawaka on Grape Road. And here's the funky part about that. They needed to know if I would take this position. I had never been to South Bend before. I had like three days to make my decision if I was going to move to the area or not. And that was really, that's a lot to process. Having never been to South Bend, do we want to uproot our lives from our friends, from our family, and move to South Bend, Indiana? Like, I didn't know anything about South Bend. I was certainly not a Notre Dame fan. We have always been Wisconsin fans, really, after the move from Illinois. So uh, that was a big, that was a big shock. And I decided, again, that there was a reason that I was being asked to take this position and would I consider it. And um, I had a year contract. So I knew that if it was really, if I really hated South Bend, for whatever reason, if I just didn't find my place here, that we could go back. And... I said yes. I signed that contract and my husband and I moved here. Actually, I moved here first. So I moved here in July of 2016 to open up this store on Grape Road, the home goods store, in November of 2016. And Derek was not able to come down and join me until December. So I was here uh, really deeply immersed in the opening of a store, uh, seven days a week, literally 12 hours a day, getting that all ready. And um, that is how that went. <laughs> So how did your husband, Derek, feel about moving to a new area? Yes, he was very supportive. I'm very thankful. We were at a point in our professional careers that each of us said that if one of us received a lucrative job opportunity, that we would follow each other. Okay. So he was looking for things. I wasn't necessarily looking for things. This one really came out of left field for me. But So we kind of had had that agreement that we would both go uh, if someone had a good opportunity. So he, he did. The unfortunate part about it is that his current company that he was with in Wisconsin would not let him work from home so he did have to find a new job moving Aww. here so so that was kind of a disappointment however he found a really great company in Elkhart and was able to utilize his skills in treasury and international finance and so he was able to transfer those interesting those okay, skills well, here that's good those opportunities those doors came open for him now you're down here you're in Mishawaka a few months into your role you feel that your work life is no longer in sync with your personal values. Let's talk about that. Yes, that was really eye-opening. So moving here from Wisconsin, I was familiar with a lot of social service agencies in Wisconsin. I worked with YWCA there, CASA volunteering and such. And moving here to Indiana, what was eye-opening to me was the amount of people in general, just people in need here. There is the state-to-state -state difference between Wisconsin and Indiana. Indiana is that there is a higher poverty rate in this part of Indiana just 
specifically focusing on like the St. Joseph County area, there is a low graduation rate, there's a high domestic violence rate, there's a high handgun, like just violence in general, gun violence is much higher. And what I was seeing was that my employees were very deeply impacted by things that my employees in Wisconsin were not at all. I had a lot of failed background checks for folks that wanted to come and work at Home Goods. I had more failed background checks in the couple months leading up to the store opening than I had in my entire time in Wisconsin in 19 years of retail. So it was a really interesting just shift. And while the, the move was only about a six hour move, it wasn't across the country, it was just six hours. There was a vast difference in what I was seeing and experiencing here in Indiana than what I had come from. And how that affected me in the workplace, especially with my employees, is that a multi-million dollar company, I felt as a store manager, I was not able to take care of my team. And that was really hard. I had a lot of employees who were in need. I had a young gentleman working for me that was homeless and he was living in his car. And he continued to break dress code because he did not have the proper clothes to come to work. But yet he came to work. He was on time. He did a phenomenal job. And because I was in such a corporate culture, I had a higher up executive visit from my boss. And she came and she said, hey, that young man is wearing jeans. You have to write him up. And I said, you know, he's one of my best workers. I said, right now he's living in his car. He is here. He performs what he needs to do. He is an exemplary employee. And and I refuse to write him up. But in this world of corporate culture, you can't treat one employee differently than another employee who makes maybe a choice to break dress code and come wearing something that's not dress code friendly. So I continued to have this series of things that popped up. I had a, a single father of two small kids who didn't have a winter coat. And he would walk from the bus, dropped him at the mall, 6 o'clock in the morning in the dark, and he did not have like adequate warm weather wear and so a friend of mine purchased him a winter coat and my job was threatened uh, I was actually threatened that if I had really? something to do with him getting this coat that I would be fired for showing favoritism wow yeah that's crazy but th that crazy. sounds corporate it yeah. was very corporate and at the time I didn't have a name for what I was feeling um, but where I was coming from as I was operating as a manager from a place of servant leadership and various companies, for whatever reason, you know, have their policies, and I understood those. But I realized that I could not take care of my own team. And they were taking care of me. They were taking care of the store. They were taking care of our customers. They were taking care of all the stockholders and shareholders that were profiting from the money the company was bringing in, in essence, but we were not taking care of them. And so once I had that sort of eye-opening experience, and it was pretty early on, I realized that that was not a place that I could continue working because I, Courtney, could not affect change positively for my employees. Okay, that makes sense. Your personal values were not in line with your work life. So um, your one-year contract came up for renewal and you decided to leave retail. I'm sure this was a scary time for you. You know, you're new to the area. You and your husband is like, now what? Now what? Yeah, <laughs> yes, because... Uh, I mic dropped that job. That was terrifying. I had been working. I had been gainfully employed since I was 16 years old. And so at this point, I was like 37, so 20 years. And I was so busy working, 
you know, in this job, in this career for so long that my entire first year here in the South Bend area, I joke about it now, but at the time it felt very serious. I referenced it as my time and witness protection because <laughs> I did not get a chance to go out. I didn't have a single friend. I had no friends. I was not able to join any networking groups, any of the things that I was really passionate about. I had been unable to give my time to the community because that job took everything out of me. It was six to seven days a week, 10 to 12 days. And so I realized that that was so unhealthy. It was an unhealthy environment. It was not a good place for me to be mentally. And because of that, it also became not a good environment at home because we, my husband and I, were not able to spend time together. And so me deciding to make that change, Derek was super supportive, but it was very scary because I did not have anything lined up. And it also felt very, for someone who's made a series of like calculated decisions, it seemed, it was just really scary to just I'm, step away from that. <laughs> I'm sure, yes, 20 years in one place, yeah. you know, 20 years in retail is big and just that pivot, it was time for a change. So then you found your calling. You became executive director. Let's talk about that. Yes. Marcy, that's how I got to know you, and I'm so thankful for that. Yes. Yes, 10,000 villages. So that's a weird story, too. Um, and it's a long story, so I, we don't have to get into it. But I did discover this this little gem of a fair trade gift shop. And it was only about a mile from my house. So it was really neat. And I call it a God moment. There's no other explanation for how I came to find that position. So unfortunately, the store had faced some financial hardships and was not in a great position. They were contemplating closing their store. And what 10,000 Villages was, was an international fair trade gift shop working with primarily women artisans in developing countries, 22 different countries. And it was working directly with them to provide fair wages for the beautiful things that they made jewelry baskets home decor scarves you name it it was just a beautiful curated gift store in essence a global gift store and they were looking for an executive director the church that oversaw the store has Mennonite roots and they were really looking for someone who had some business experience to come in and help turn that store around and so really by way of a God moment I found that position and that opening and I interviewed for that job and they hired me. Okay awesome <laughs> now but there was some sad news behind that as well. Some sad news. You had found your purpose in this store, and then what happened? Yes. So I was there and very happy for four years, and we turned that store around. We were able to get the store exposure in the community. We had open houses. We had a ribbon cutting. We had all these wonderful things, and we were able to bring the business up, and we turned it around. Even during COVID, we found a way, again, the, the pivot. The COVID pivot, we were able to do curbside pickup, so folks who wanted to place orders and make purchases we would just run their items out to them when they pulled up uh, so things were going really well the store was actually really on a nice upward trajectory of sales after 30 years our governing church body decided that uh, the pastor and his wife who opened the store decided they wanted to step away from ministry and retire as after 30 years they absolutely should they had given so much to their church and the congregation and the greater community and there was not a governing body that was interested in taking us on because we were not our own 501c3 so that was something that we were not expecting to see 
and it was it was um, it was a very sad time because there was nothing else like it in the area and the work that the women artisans were doing and all the artisans the work they were doing was so important and valuable <laughs> that, you know and like you, I could tell your passion you don't see her face but she's like glowing over here and you could tell that it was something that she was very passionate about but they closed after four years in and then you're back to that now what stage but not for long because another door opened for you. Let's another door to open, yes. I sort of left that last, um, the last part that I just spoke about. I said, you know, the store closed. And, you know, truly this is a side note, but because it was something I was so passionate about, I do hope that the opportunity presents itself that I'm still able to carry the work on of our artisan partners. And I'm looking for, you know, now I'm downtown South Bend, which we'll talk next about, but I'm always looking for a little storefront that I can pop up a fair trade ah, boutique okay. so you're hearing it first I, <laughs> yes. yes I'm still this is still something that is in my heart and okay. um, I mean I think that the community would really would like to see it too yes. right in, right there in downtown South Bend yes. is a great location you know as, yeah. as you are as we can really talk more about <laughs> yeah. your role in downtown South Bend I think that's a great idea yeah. yes Looking well one door closed the fair trade door closed and the DTSB door opened <laughs> in a big way so an opportunity presented itself let's see this would have been in May of last year so May of 2022 the position for the director of business development role opened and I was approached about that role and I went ahead with the interview and recognized that at this time 10,000 Villages was still open but there were some internal discussions about when the store was going to be closing and whatnot and so I actually took on I accepted the new role for the development director, business director, and I was still overseeing 10,000 villages at the same time. Oh, <laughs> so okay. we know that I don't ever like to have a, an empty schedule. You, yes, so. you stay busy. I think it was because of that retail experience, working 12-hour days, six, seven days a week, it's still in your heart. I it think prepared me. Yeah, yes. it prepared me for ex this exact moment. So I was still overseeing 10,000 villages, and then the closure of that store, the inventory reduction, and also managing my new role with DTSB, which has been an amazing experience. Great. So tell us, what is your role? What do you do? What do I do? Well, that's a whole nother podcast because <laughs> there's so many things under that umbrella. But in short, Downtown South Bend, Inc., which is a nonprofit. So we work alongside our business community. We work alongside the city. And my job directly is to attract, retain, and support our businesses that fall in the heart of downtown. So Downtown South Bend, Inc., DTSB, was formed 20 years ago in response to the urban sprawl of businesses and restaurants leaving the downtown area to go out towards the mall area, like into the strip mall land, we call it, which was really common during that time, about 20, 30 years ago. That was the case with many cities. A lot of businesses, for example, like those anchor stores, JCPenney's, big department stores that had all been downtown moved out to the mall area. So DTSB was created as a reactionary measure to pull our business community back to the heart of downtown South Bend. And, um, and so with that, I work with our businesses. I work to 
get spaces filled downtown. I'm working with people that are seeking spaces. I do all of our downtown ribbon cuttings. I'm also the, I guess, I have the Downtown Dining Alliance, which is under my umbrella of work. We have 25 locally owned independent restaurants downtown. So it's a downtown consortium of restaurants. We host summer restaurant weeks, winter restaurant weeks, all of the wine walks. That's under my umbrella. I also facilitate our exterior enhancement grant program. And that is a program for people who are business owners downtown. It's a matching grant of up to $20,000 to help create curb appeal and do some facade work just to make your business look a little nicer from the street, maybe enhance the look of your business and attract new customers. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So would you say this is a, a wonderful fit for you? a great fit for me. I am learning so much. I'm learning about how a city works, how to address problems and and provide solutions. So we're getting calls um, sometimes, well, for example, over Labor Day weekend, we had a business that had a major plumbing emergency. And, you know, cities don't run on, you know, cities run on kind of traditional business hours, but restaurants and other businesses run Mm 24-7. And so, you know, we're getting urgent calls. We're sending text messages and emails emails at 11:30 at night on a weekend holiday wow. weekend to try to meet the needs of our businesses right. because for them having to close during that holiday period especially is a huge financial Lost. detriment yes. and so our job is to do whatever we can to support those businesses even if it's after hours even if it's on a holiday weekend exactly we appreciate I'm, I'm sure the downtown businesses appreciate you for that yeah we hope we Most hope definitely. so we've got our ambassador team if you see our ambassador teams out there are wearing red polo shirts and khaki pants. They are picking up trash. They're changing garbage. They are watering all of our flowers. We do the downtown flower program. The flower bowl program is also under my role as well. So they're taking care of all the landscape. They're giving directions. They help jumpstart cars. They will do safety walks for folks who are parked and maybe it's getting dark now earlier since we're entering fall. They provide safety walks. Our DTSB ambassadors are incredible representatives of our downtown. Awesome. That's great. Now, Courtney, as I stated earlier, she loves South Bend and and she looks forward to giving her time, talent and treasure to propel growth and equity in the city of South Bend. Now, you are also very involved in the community because of what you do through your work, volunteering and social engagements. You've been doing this for years, even before you came to this area. So what I want to know is why is it important to be involved in your community? Oh, my goodness, Marcy, that you hit me with a question. Wow. <laughs> you know, truly, I think community coming together, we see wonderful things happen. And just on the heels of the HBCU experience and exchange weekend that happened over Labor Day weekend, when the community comes together, wonderful things can happen. And I see it every single day in my work. And so when people ask me to be part of something, it's so hard for me to say no, because I've seen what comes from it when people say yes and come together to do great things. That's how I got myself on five nonprofit boards. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a CASA volunteer. I work with kids in foster care. That need is is so huge, so it's not something that I can shy away from. Okay, so then that, that's my next question. You, you volunteer your time, so what are some of the areas you volunteer besides CASA? 
Yes, I'm on the board for St. Vincent de Paul Society, and I always joke because I'm not Catholic, and so I, I say that I'm filling their diversity quotient by being a Methodist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also am on the Leadership South Bend Mishawaka Board, and I went through class 46, so I'm a graduate of the leadership class, and I also co-facilitate a high school girls program. It's actually called the Girls Program with Leadership South Bend Mishawaka. I'm involved with Gentlemen and Scholars, which is a phenomenal youth mentoring organization, yes. mm-hmm. And the gentlemen in that group have been doing wonderful work in our community. And so many of these groups that I'm connected to, the reason that it's speaking to me is because they're people doing grassroots things, and they're just not like those big names in nonprofit worlds. So it's not Ronald McDonald House. They're not. It's not Cultivate. These are folks who have identified a need in the community, and they are serving our community by meeting those needs. Those are really, truly the folks that I am drawn to, to support by maybe using some of my time, talent, and treasure and seeing if I can find grant opportunities for them. I'm also involved in Granger Sunrise Rotary, and we are known in the community for giving um, grants to grassroots nonprofits to continue their work. So we've worked with Free Your Wings Youth Mentoring with Mm -hmm. Asia Ellington. GVI Save has received grants from us. Kinte Lark has received grants for the work that they're doing, and they are really, truly the rock stars of our community. I'm just here to help lift them up and support. And you're doing great. So what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Goodness. I would say that it absolutely fills my heart. It makes me feel good every day when I wake up knowing that I can, you know, do my little piece. And it really is just truly a little piece. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, you know, bringing awareness and attention to groups and organizations and the, the ability to help connect them to something uh, to something bigger is really what motivates me and it also snowballs into something more and so it's never done my work is never done the work that's needed in the community is never done but it always is in motion it's always moving on to something to something bigger and those are the things when I get that text message and saying hey you know we received this grant from the awesome if you're familiar with the awesome fund it's it's a grant program in South Bend most recently they interviewed three different applicants who had applied for this grant and two of the applicants that won the grants most recently I had referred them to the grant program and so hearing that feedback and getting that message saying like hey the grant that you connected me to I won I won that grant thank you so much like those are the whys for me okay yes I can see yes That's awesome, Courtney. Now, also for the past three years, you've mentored minority women entrepreneurs in the Notre Dame SB program. So how important is it to have mentors and build relationships? Oh my gosh, that program has been one of my favorite things that I've been involved in since I've been here in South Bend. And that actually happened during COVID. That was the first class going through that program was a COVID class. But really, I've always been someone to openly share any knowledge, any way that I can help somebody. It does not help me at all all to just sit on this knowledge. It does not. I have 20 years of business experience, not only just in retail, but business skills in general. And there's a lot of information that I can share to folks to help build up their business. And now I'm in a unique position with being downtown South Bend. Not only can I help them provide that information to make their business stronger, better, more attractive, more visible, but now I can even help them with that next step of finding space. So... Awesome. And I know you, you've been telling me about a couple of, you know, 
possible tennis that's going to be coming there in, in the near future, which is exciting. Yes, it is very exciting. And my heart has always been toward women and minority business owners and just making sure that we've got equity in who owns space in downtown, who is able to rent space in downtown. Um, and I've always, I, I hope that I've always had a strong voice for folks who are underrepresented you know, both in the kids' population, youth population, as well as the business sector. And so that that is where I gravitate and that is where I choose to spend my time. Okay. Not only because you do a lot, you started a ladies' meetup group. What was the purpose of that? Yeah, the ladies' meetup group, that was also coming out of COVID. So I recognized within the business community, primarily the restaurant community, that restaurants were having a harder time recovering from COVID, and folks just were not comfortable coming out, and maybe they were doing more carryout, which meant that their servers weren't making their usual wages. And so it really became an opportunity for just a group of some of my friends and I to get together and also connect with other women from the community and an opportunity for women to connect who wouldn't have otherwise found each other. And that's the big thing. So the big thing that separates Ladies Meetup from other women's professional networks is it's intentionally pulling women from all around the area. It's not just South Bend, Mishawaka. We've got women who come from Niles, Edwardsburg, Goshen, Middlebury, Elkhart. I mean, they're literally coming from across the area just to have genuine interaction. And there's not a format. It's not about business. It's not about, well, what do you do? It is just women getting together to navigate life, to meet one another. And the connections I've seen from that group have been incredible. I've seen business relationships form. I have seen friendships form. And it's all genuine. You don't have to register for anything. There's really not a financial commitment. If you're job seeking and you can't afford to go out and have a meal or an appetizer or a drink, you can just come. And that's the beauty of it. And I never want it to be anything different than that. It's It was really an effort to help support, um, again, women and minority restaurant businesses coming out of COVID. And so we would intentionally choose the meetups on the slower nights of the week for the businesses to come in and lift them up um, with sales and you know we've been known to tip back a couple cocktails oh, so, yes. so most of the bar tabs of the you know the women we do we do pretty well so it's multi you know the intention of it is is multifaceted it's to lift up the business community but then also bring together women in a genuine natural environment without any agenda and it's pretty cool and that's what I like about it I've been to a couple or two couple or five <laughs> who's counting <laughs> who's counting and I, I enjoy I enjoy networking I enjoy meeting new people you know just getting to know people what they do and the beauty of it is just building relationships building relationships and pulling people we've had so many women that have come that don't know any other women that just show up and that's really scary to Mm -hmm. walk into a space and not know you know how you're going to be seen and how you're you know how you're going to be reacted to so it's a really warm welcoming environment it's an open page on facebook it's called ladies meet up south bend and i would encourage anyone i mean we've got people from all ages all walks of life all ethnic backgrounds. It is just truly a melting pot of women. And it's super cool. Awesome, Courtney. You do so much. Did I say you do a lot? Yeah, you do a lot. (laughs) So with that being said, let's talk about self-care. You know, you just said, you know, you just got this retail mindset where you don't know how to slow down. What do you do for you as far as self-care is concerned? 
not enough, but I'm working on it. Yes, I'm definitely working on it. I do enjoy, I still subscribe to the paper. So I enjoy my paper in the morning with my coffee. <laughs> I'm kind of old fashioned that way. So if it's nice, I'll sit outside and just kind of have a couple moments of peace, trying to get better about meditating. Okay. I'm not great. I need some guided meditation because it's hard for me to turn my brain off. So there are a couple spots downtown that do guided meditation that I'm intentionally trying to plug in. So Tuesdays over the lunch period, one of our downtown businesses called Bend Yoga does a free guided meditation. Yeah. It's 20 minutes. You okay. can come in on your lunch break and, and really, if you allow yourself to completely disconnect, like leave your cell phone in the car, come in, sit with yourself for 20 minutes and just clear your thoughts. And then you, when you're done, you still have time for lunch, you can get back to the office, but those little moments are really critical to just maintaining. Okay, so with that, still talking about self-care and, and basically how has being in your role as a director of DTSB affected, you know, it's just you and your husband and you mentioned, you know, that quality time. Where does that come into play with everything you do? It's a good question. So one of the one of the perks of the job with DTSB is that we do get a lot of invitations to events and things. So my social calendar is always full and it's kind of work, but it's also fun. And so it's kind of that in between gray area. And so that is where Derek gets to come out and he gets to attend a lot of those events with me and meet people. We were fusion festing this weekend, and that was really fun. And that was not a DTSB event, so I was on the food planning committee, so I got to help make sure that all of our local food makers were represented. So I'm really proud of that, making sure that we got some really good, diverse food options. But when it came down to it, Fusion Fest was um, an opportunity for me to just really enjoy. Okay. And so that was really nice. Well, thank you on all the food selections. <laughs> I heard it was amazing. I didn't get a chance to get out there, oh. but I I heard it was great. I'm still full, yes. We had some really great, good feedback on the food options. I mean, you could really eat a little bit. As my friends said on their Facebook stories, they said, we're eating around the world, eating our way ah. around the world. And that was true. So okay. it was nice. it was um, nice we were able to do that. So tell me, Courtney, what's non-negotiable for you? What is non-negotiable for me? Yeah, I don't do negativity at all. I, I just don't do it. I physically can't do negativity. I'm just not in, it's not in my, it's not in my bones. And space, so I really yeah. don't lock in with people that are negative. That's definitely a non-negotiable. I also really dislike not being on time. That's just something from, from my 16 year old, my 16 year old self. I was at that interview early. I was always to work early, ready to go. Those are just some things that are kind of ingrained in me. Because you're always on the go. Does it ever get like really tough and stressful because you're nonstop running? I am nonstop running. Yeah, I've had a couple moments. And moments like that are really things that I don't have control over. And it's just recently I was at a conference out of state and I needed... I needed access to something that I couldn't get, so I couldn't do what I needed to do. And that was that was really tough, just because it was something that, you know, my hands were tied on and I just couldn't get access to what I needed. So that's that's really the biggest, I think the biggest barrier. But otherwise, I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate that I can, I've built a network of people in my resources just from my volunteering and just from making friends with everybody, that when I have something that comes up, I typically, have if I don't have a solution I know that I probably have someone in my contact circle that okay. has a solution that I can reach out to which I'm really thankful for and I've seen some really really amazing things happen with them okay so tell me what was your biggest aha moment 
Wow, my biggest aha moment. Wow, my biggest aha moment was me leaving my retail career. Uh, when that happened, I was questioning everything. I was questioning why did I move to South Bend? I mean, I was not in a good place. I was really in, in a dark place. And I didn't really notice it at the time um, because I was so far in it. And that was really the shift in what led me to South Bend. And I thought if you would have asked me then in 2016 or 2017, what, what brought me to South Bend? Why did I come to South Bend? I would have said it was from, it was for my retail job. And that is not true. That is the furthest thing from being true. What brought me to South Bend is that I was called to South Bend. Exactly. I was called to South Bend because there's there are so many ways that I can help that I can help South Bend and just lift up South Bend. Mm-hmm. I actually started a private Facebook group called Lift Up South Bend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is in an effort to supporting people and mostly women that have fallen on hard times that need resources. Mm-hmm. And this came by way of another God moment. And um, But truly, there are things that I was meant to do here in South Bend. Awesome. And that, that is what brought me here. Th- that door opened. It led you here. And we're glad to have you a part of this area, Courtney. Now tell me, what would you say are the top three skills needed to be successful? Top three skills needed to be successful. Well, I think professionalism has to be number one. So when I'm working with a new business mentee, I am going to see their profile on Facebook. I'm going to listen to their voicemail. And this is coming from when I had to make phone calls setting up interviews. Mm -hmm. When I was interviewing folks in past jobs, I would call about bringing someone in for an interview and I would get music playing in the background. I would get them swearing on their voicemail, their own voicemail. Uh, And you have to really think like, is an employer going to want to hire you when you're cussing on your voicemail? Mm -hmm. So um, professionalism is number one. And it doesn't have to be, you know, over the top. It doesn't mean that you show up in a suit and tie for an interview, but professionalism is really just how you meet people, how you shake their hand, how you sit down with them, how you make eye contact with them. Those are all tangible things that you can do um, that are more communication based. What did I say? I said professionalism. Did I just give you one? Well, timeliness. You have to be on time. time. Yes, time. Mm -hmm. Timeliness is is extremely important. And I've seen qualified people not get job opportunities because of their tardiness. So never underestimate that. Also, it's really disrespectful if you're meeting somebody to not honor their time. Right. Um, Because people's schedules are very busy and it it really, and things come up, certainly. I think we know things come up. People get flat tires, you've got sick kids, those things come up. But really in all, all efforts made, you should definitely, definitely be on time. Let's see. What would be a good, a good third one? We're going to stick with those two for now. Those are That's pretty fine. key. <laughs> those work. Okay, so who has been your greatest inspiration? Oh, my goodness. You know, that's changed over the years, too. I would say that I've always held real people who I know as inspiration as opposed to figures, like celebrities and, mm-hmm. and athletes and whatnot. I don't find those necessarily those folks to be inspirational but my grandma was really really someone who I looked up to she was a 
school teacher in Illinois. She taught second grade, and she really taught, second grade is really you're like teaching kids to read, and there's a lot that you need to do as a second grade teacher. But what I admire so much about my grandma is that she ended up, when she was done as a homemaker and raising my dad and my uncle, she went back to college and got her degree and graduated number one in her class. What? As a very adult person. So she was graduating with folks that were maybe, you know, in their 20s and she was probably 40. She was probably twice their age at the awesome. time that she went back to graduate and she graduated number 1 in her class. That's amazing. Um, she was also a CASA volunteer, so my work with social services and working in soup kitchens and food pantries that all of that came from her. From her. Nice. Okay, so do you have a favorite quote? Yes, I have a favorite quote. And I'm actually not sure who, who it's attributed to. I've seen it. Sometimes quotes get attributed to, to different people over time. But my favorite quote is, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Okay. And what that looks like is, you know, when there's something big that you see as a, you know, maybe as a, as a community um, and there's a need that needs to be met. And maybe the problem seems overwhelming, but if folks really just looked at what they are able to affect, even it might seem very small and, and minor, but in the grand scheme of things, if everybody looked at that situation with just what can I do, what is my small part of this, then we can make great strides. I like that. Now, Let's talk about favorite sports teams, because we know you came from Chicago. You know, was it the Bulls? Was it the Bears? You were in Michigan. I don't know, was it the Lions, the Tigers? Yeah. You were in Wisconsin. <laughs> was it the Packers? Now you're here in, in South Bend. Is it yes. Notre Dame? So Ooh. who is the favorite for Courtney? Put me on blast. Okay, so let's just get this out the way right away. <laughs> so Michigan, I was only there for three years, and I was in middle school, and so there wasn't a lot of – and we were in Grand Rapids, so we weren't really close to any – we were not – Proximity-wise, we weren't close to Detroit, mm -hmm. so maybe the Lions would have been a thing, but they really weren't. So Michigan sports, eh, we're just taking them out entirely. Wow. So nothing on the Michigan sports side. Uh, truly, I was in I was in Wisconsin for 16 years total, and so my allegiance is to Wisconsin sports. I am a Packer, a Packer girl through and through. Okay. Wisconsin Badger football fan. So actually season ticket holder. So we still try to get back up there every once in a while and see some of those football games. But I will always have a special place in my heart for the Chicago Bulls. Always. That <laughs> it's all about that, would you say, the GOAT, the Michael yes, Jordan? Yes, Michael Jordan will forever be, forever be the GOAT. Okay. Yes, and I do enjoy looking back at the Bears when they were in their Super Bowl shuffle heyday. Yes, <laughs> I remember I that. I mean, is. yeah, how could you not? How could you not get behind that? That, yeah, was, exactly. that was a really great um, era. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I feel that I can make room for all of my teams. Okay, there you <laughs> And go. Notre Dame, I have nothing against Notre Dame, but I will invite everybody to participate in tailgating at a Wisconsin Badger football game in Madison, Wisconsin on a fall day. There is nothing else like it. And we have Jump Around. So that is one of the, um, Jump Around is a song by House of Pain. And okay. it's been a tradition in the Wisconsin Badger Camp Randall Stadium since I think 1999, which is actually the year I graduated high school. So it came about that in between, maybe it's the third and the fourth quarter, they play House of Pain, Jump Around, and the entire stadium shakes. 
It's what? actually terrifying. So if you've never experienced it, don't be scared. Wow. It's structurally sound, but they play House of Pain, and it has become known as, if not the number one Big Ten like sports moment. It's it's up there, and Notre Dame, you know. Notre Dame has a lot of cool things, but until you experience, okay. jump around at Camp Randall Stadium. Yeah. Well, you heard it right there. <laughs> experience it. Jump experience around. Experience it. Yes. 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 Okay, Courtney, if you were to write a book about yourself, how would you name it and why? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, fun fact, I was born on Friday the 13th, and so there's a little bit of superstition there with me, and so it would probably be something incorporating that superstitious kind of vibe that I have. I picked 13 for everything. It's my lucky number. Really? <laughs> so a lot of a lot of people steer away from 13. Yeah. Like 13, there's not a 13th floor on a lot of buildings, mm-hmm. hotels. It's very weird actually if you like get into, you know, the the thought process behind that. So it would probably be something about that. But truly, my life has has kind of been an open book. I f- I hope that I'm very transparent and when people have questions or need something from me that I'm accessible to them and they can ask me pretty much anything from the youth that I work with to business owners and, awesome. and anybody in between. That's good. You're very transparent, as far as I can see. Love <laughs> it. Now, if you had a magic stick, what's one thing you would change in the world? Oh, my goodness. One thing I would change in the world with a magic stick. Really, as I think about all the things that I would like to change, the common theme amongst them is really opportunity. And that looks different depending on where we're looking in the world. But I do believe that opportunity or a lack of opportunity is what causes a lot of our issues with poverty, low education, violence, that those those are byproducts of lack of opportunity being given. I like that. Okay. We're getting deep. That's really deep. That was deep, <laughs> yes. So what's next for Courtney? Ooh, wee. What is next for Courtney? Oh my gosh. Well, I think with my job every day that I come into work, it looks so different. So I'll continue learning and growing. The phase that I'm in right now is really focusing more on the city government side and just learning about ordinances and how people in the community are able to make changes and approach council meetings and make suggestions and open dialogue for you know if you're not happy with something that's happening in your neighborhood like you have a voice like you are welcome to come to these meetings and speak up and ask questions and know who your council people are and so I think that is something that's an area of focus for me on that side of it because I'm really comfortable with the business side I've, yeah. I could do that part I don't want to say I could do it in my sleep but I'm, I'm really comfortable with the business side but learning about government and how government works and why things are the way they are and then also maybe even being willing to poke a little bit and and see about if there's an ordinance or something that maybe doesn't make sense to understand why it's there and if there's anything that we can do you know to make first of all the overarching goal is to make South Bend business friendly right to everybody mm-hmm. so if we're coming across ordinances and things that don't necessarily make sense like what can we do let's sit down and have a conversation about how we can okay. look at making this Being more an business friendly yeah okay very good I ask all of my guests what is your definition of a boss oh my goodness what is my definition of a boss somebody who is comfortable in their own skin Okay. Somebody who's comfortable in their own skin and is a champion for others. I like that. How can somebody contact you if they want more information? Yes, excellent. So we, our website is downtownsouthbend.com, and that has 
all of our email addresses, my phone number for my office line. You can find me on social media. So my Facebook page is Courtney Lee, and Lee is actually my middle name. It's L-E-I-G-H, and I'm happy to connect with you there. My email address is the first letter of my name, C, my last name, Kubli, K-U-B-L-Y, at downtownsouthbend.com. And I am open and receptive to emails, Facebook messages. You know, people are passing my number around and I'm even getting calls from people in Mishawaka asking, um, hey, I heard that I need to talk to you about such and such and grants and all of these things. And, and while we don't work in Mishawaka at all, I mean, the, the nature of everything I do is in downtown South Bend. I will still have a meeting. I will have a meeting with you. I will... I want to learn about your business. I want to know maybe if it's something that I can't help with in DTSB, I might have another resource or another option for you. So I actually have a meeting set up on Thursday um, with a Mishawaka business that reached out because I was referred to them um, as somebody who might be able to provide them some resources, and I'm happy to do that. Nice. Now, any last remarks? Oh, my goodness. Well, I just want to thank Women Who Boss Up and the podcast for having me on today. But I also just want to recognize everyone who's in our community that's doing great work that maybe hasn't been given proper recognition because I see you. I see the work that you're doing, um, and you are making a difference. So thank you. And thank you, Courtney Kubli, Downtown South Bend Director. I want to thank everyone for tuning in for this episode of A Journey with Women Who Boss Up. You can follow me on Facebook at A Journey with Women Who Boss Up. You can check out my website at www.bossup.com or you can email me at womenwhobossup at gmail.com. Please feel free to leave me a review and let me know what you think of my podcast. Until next time, everyone have a great day.